Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Helix mattresses have been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You can take the Helix sleep quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10-15 to year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash drink. That's helixsleep.com slash drink. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Happy New Year! Oh, I think we're a little early on that one. A little bit early. Happy New Year week. Is this our last weekend of 2019? It sure is. Wow. Sunday before New Year. So it's the 29th of December this comes out. New Year's Eve is here. You know what's crazy about 2020? Like this, this, this new decade coming up? Okay, what? This is the decade where pretty likely we will meet our children. We'll meet our children. Yeah, like we'll have kids and stuff. Oh, oh, oh. I was like, meet them where? Okay, I see. At the hospital, I think. I hope. Anyway. Okay, you don't seem to care as no, much as I, I do. I, you th- phrased it so weirdly, like not like we'll have children, but like we will meet them. And it made I mean, me we feel will like also we were meet gonna, them. Like, time travel into the future, and I was like, my first thought was literally, oh my god, so time travel is going to be real, so we can go into the future and meet our children. Not, oh, we're going to have them in the present. That could be how it goes. Twenty twenty is going to be a weird decade. I think my brain just doesn't automatically think like, oh, my children. I don't know. Listen, I'm excited to meet you, kids. Um, okay, I'm kind of, but not really. I'm not. I'm like, more focused. I'm not on- racing towards it. I'll see you when I see you. Listen, M's in 2019 is already thinking about it. So I'm in, I'm in. I've been thinking about my kids for a long, long time. I'm thinking about Geo most of the time. So uh, I'm a little distracted from that. The roaring 20s are back, guys. That's what I'm actually, that's what I thought you were going to say. Because I'm pretty excited about that. Because the 1920s were like cool and all, but like had a lot of fucking shit that, you know, let's ignore that. The 2020s is where it's at now. Mm -hmm. We got the new roaring 20s, got the new flappers, and that's us. Oh, I'm a flapper now sure i guess i'm flapping right next to you we're just flapping along (laughs) since we do everything together i guess i'm forced into this weird story i guess we're flapping you just forced me to have children in the 2020s so you know what i just have a hunch about it okay well we have uh children and we're flapping around all right it's gonna be a good time for you guys too i'm sure of it i'm sure for my children that are listening one day in this decade, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they'll be listening in this decade. They'll certainly be listening eventually. But like I want to let four. you know, before you showed up, you're probably upsetting me and pissing me off today. You're probably annoying me. Go, Go to, to your room. room. <laughs> I'm sure they're listening to this just because they want to hear if I was ever actually cool. 
No, and they're probably, they're probably ironically listening no, to this exactly to quote me and hate doing. me later. They're listening to it so that they can use it, have find ammo against us so that when we say you can't swear, they say, well, look at this episode. Or if we say, oh, you can't do this. Oh, Christine's drunk. Mom, you're drunk in this episode. Like, I guarantee it. Kids, I don't know you yet, and I may not even be your parent yet, but let's just preemptively ground you right now because I'm sure you've done something this week I don't like. Yeah, so, you are in big trouble. So just say sorry. Get me. Actually, if you're listening to me, get me. Go get me a drink. Yeah, I know I've actually um, taught you to make grilled cheese by now, so please bring me one. From Skillshare? Sure. If Skillshare, like, in the future is, like, a holographic thing, you know, on on your hoverboard, (laughs) can you hoverboard a grilled cheese over to me, please? I would be thrilled. I do a lot for you, kids, so if you could just walk into the room right now and just say thank you, I would appreciate it. Say I love you. I love you back. And say how beautiful we were if you're watching the YouTube video. Say I looked really cool when I was young, and I still look good. You still look ex- say you didn't change one bit exactly, and then I'll unground you. So yeah, let's make that deal. Show this video to me, and I'll agree. I promise. Grilled cheese and a drink, and say we're beautiful, and then you're good. Yep. And also that goes for all of our listeners. If you could please <laughs> send me a our grilled- PO box, our <laughs> our address for grilled cheese is. That's really the way to my heart. Um. Also, I just wanted to say before we get, oh, do you have any other updates? No, I'm I'm happy to be spending my last week in 2019 with you. Our, you know, even last though, week before your children arrived yeah <laughs> our last week child my free. due date is actually like new year's day so <laughs> i'm getting ready blaze's birthday is the second so he really was almost a new year's baby oh i know he has a, i know i say it's every year and he is 1990 so he was like tw- like 48 hours away from being an 80s kid that's true you're totally he right like just missed the cut he just missed the cut Hey, uh, one of yeah. the first kids of the 90s some might he say oh yeah he has a hard time because i say this every year but like uh with christmas and then new year's and then everyone's hung over and then january 2nd everyone's like we're done with the partying thing. <laughs> everyone's <laughs> we like we have to go back to work yeah now. we go back to work we need to sleep and go back to work um but uh he doesn't listen to this so i have some plans if what are your plans can in. you tell them if he doesn't listen i'm gonna throw him a- it's his 30th by the way 2020 so I'm tra- planning on throwing him a s- surprise party. That I have not been fucking invited to. I know, to. I haven't done it. I said I'm oh, planning okay. on th- <laughs> I'm literally telling you right now, Em. I know, I just like to give you a hard time. I'll be there. Okay, well, I, uh, I don't tell anyone, guys. Don't tell him, because it will really ruin it. Okay, but also tell him not to listen to this episode just in case. He will. I can absolutely guarantee he will not. Okay, gotcha. Um, uh, oh, I want to say, since we have no other updates... Um, thank you to everybody, I haven't said this yet, who was very kind to me about my top 10 list, <laughs> because I know a lot of people were like, first of all, Anthony is not gay, he's bi, so you know what? You I can was wrong. back off on that. Okay. You gave me so much shit for that. Apparently, there is an episode where he literally says, oh no, I date women, so mm, still got a chance. Uh, <laughs> see, Blaze doesn't listen, and I, I take full advantage of it. Uh, <laughs> secondly, a lot of people were very kind about my my just not understanding that it would be a strange thing. To also be attracted to some women. Yeah. I just was like, what a surprise that anyone was surprised, I guess. Sexuality is a spectrum. We're, Thank you. We're definitely going to learn a, a lot more about that in the second where my children are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to think by the time that like 2050 rolls around, like sexuality and, I, and gender aren't even a thing. It's just like. That's what I'm saying. We're all floating around doing our thing. We're actually flapping. We're flapping Since around. We're now. <laughs> doing our totally 100 percent universal non-binary thing that's what i'm saying and so I, I it just never really like they were just automatically on the list and then when i said it it was just kind of like oh i guess people wouldn't know that about me so i don't know it's not somebody messed me and said you don't gotta label that shit so i said i won't do that's it. that's true christine unlabeled that's 2020 2020 coming, coming to theaters near you a whole decade of that 
Get ready. Can you wait? I can't. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry. Let's talk about you again. Oh, please. We know that I need to be spoken about at least every 30 seconds. Um, I will... I said this last episode, I feel like we should keep pushing it, but please, if you have not yet, go get our <laughs> tickets every time. for our live show. Um, I have no idea at this point where we are ticket-wise and how many people or how many spots are still open, but presumably there will still be some openings in some spaces, and we would love to try to get as many tickets sold as possible and see as many beautiful people as we can. Uh, yeah, you better be beautiful. If you're not, don't <laughs> buy a ticket. Just don't even come, actually. No. Um, but yeah, but we're super pumped. 2020 tour sounds just super cool. Yeah. 2020, we're going to come at you big, and we have a new logo and a tour name and a, a whole shebang. We have, by this point, presumably figured out. Oh, I just got the... butterflies and one of them. I know. I do, too. <clears throat> I'm retching. Um, we're very excited. We're very nervous. So please buy tickets. We would love to sell out some venues, um, and we would love to see see you. Yeah. What it just hit said? me a little bit that I, that I have to I be know. on the stage. We need some antacids in here. Kids. I need an antacid. I know I told you to bring me a grilled cheese, but I'm having some dietary di- dairy issues. That's the truth. That's probably true. I'm still probably going to be wearing this Crohn's is Cray t-shirt. I imagine in the 2020s, you and I at some point, like, live together. Just We just morph our homes it's together. It's got to be. I mean, we basically do now. So, like, eventually we're just going to say, oh, stop with the pretending. So, to my kids, go give Aunt Christine a hug and bring her grilled cheese. Oh, if we have children, we have to live. There's no way we're going to function. They're going to be the weirdest fucking kids. Like, they're just going to be surrounded yes. in crime and paranormal <laughs> shit. There's literally Robert the Dolls and I'm going to be like, you can't touch that. It will haunt you. They're going to be the weirdest kids, especially at a sleepover. Like, I'm not allowed to touch dolls. They're all cursed. Yeah. I actually <laughs> brought my doll with me. It's a little, it has a demon in it, but don't worry. Just don't say, don't say its name three times and we'll be fine. Ugh. Also, I brought a Ouija board, but my mom makes me do a, do a chant beforehand so that nothing bad happens. Kids, if you don't have friends, it's, it's my fault, not yours. Don't, you, you know don't take be, it personal. I fucked up. Yeah. I was bound to fuck you up in some it's way. It's actually, I think your grandma's fault. Go talk to that's Renata. The truth. She did some stuff to me, and I did it to you. Call her up. She and is, that's you... the circle of life. Mm-hmm. Just flapping through it. Tell her if she didn't mess me up, I wouldn't have messed you up so bad. That's so. it, It's all grandma's fault. And then bring her a drink, because she probably needs one. <laughs> My mom has told me that when I have kids, she wants to be a nana, so I'm assuming that's what we go with. Kids, tell your nana that it's all her fault. Yeah, Everything. I'm, I'm assuming we're going with Oma, just because, you know, the German tradition. Perfect. Yep. All right. Now, kids, go away. I'm about to tell a scary story. Yeah, this is not for your ears uh as but like, the stove where the, the grilled cheese is made is so. and the haunted dolls surrounding the stove but earmuffs 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 this podcast is brought to you by squarespace the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account if you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue then get started with squarespace's new feature squarespace courses squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. 
It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Juni, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So uh, this is a a story that I covered at a live show that we have not released. This was my story I did in Kansas City. Um, This is the story of the Sour Castle. Yay. Also, since we're not going to Kansas City in our 2020 tour, um, this is a nice little homage to you because we did have a great time. Not personal, just didn't fit in the schedule. Yes. But we do love you. And um, I have a special place in my heart. So we love you, Kansas City. That's true. I think in Kansas City was where you got a one of our fans gifted you a shirt that was signed by <gasps> yes. fallout boy no you're totally right of course you have a soft spot for kansas city it's kids don't touch that that is mommy's <laughs> even though i've turned it into a pillow and it's got all my <laughs> drool and wine stains on it don't touch it uh, anyway <clears throat> so this is the sour castle right. am i saying it right i'm sure that's a german word yeah zawa okay. Z- okay sour i'm not gonna say it like just that. say sour zawa <laughs> that's how you forget <laughs> yeah. did i do it yep Okay, I'm not, just I'm say gonna, sour. How do you say castle in German? Uh, Schloss. Do you say that before or after? Is it like you say? Uh, you say Schloss Zauer. Schloss Zauer. Like Schloss Neuschwanstein. Neuschwanstein. Oh, exactly like that, right. That's what the Disney castle is based on. Huh. Okay, doesn't matter. Okay. Fun fact. No, bring it up. Let's hear it. Neuschwanstein, like the big, beautiful. Like Cinderella's castle? Yes. Oh. Or the one in like the, when it says Walt Disney and it has all the things. Oh. That's the Neuschwanstein. How about that? It's a beautiful place. Okay. Anyway, sorry, go on. <laughs> so, uh, I think this was the case. At least it sounds like, it looks like this was the case based on my notes. But I think Kansas City was actually one of our earliest shows. And the fact that we still use a projector at our shows. And right. we still did. And that's why we draw, I think. Yeah, we must have, right? I don't know if we, I don't know. It we're we're going to find out. In my, well, I don't see any. And that's why we draw oh, stuff here. Maybe we were just using the projector. Maybe. I don't but know. That's what's... weird. I don't think we did So that. my notes, I back when we used a projector to make sure that I would actually click the slides at the right time, I would put this massive highlighted dot in front of a, bu- a bullet note so I knew to press the button back like then. Like a big red line. And it's there, which means that I must have used a projector. Maybe the projector was broken that day or something. I don't know. It was. We were on our way out of using the projector at live shows. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so if we used a projector and then you're one of the only people who ever saw us using slides in our shows congratulations Aww. to you okay so sour castle again true to fashion i just picked this story before we started i have not read the notes so we're gonna ride this ride together and it's gonna be bumpy fantastic <laughs> um, take your dramamine now get ready 
So we start apparently almost 150 years ago. Cool. Because it literally says almost 150 years ago. So probably we've reached 150 now since it's almost 2020. Oh, maybe. You know we did this about a year ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this castle is apparently almost 100 years old. Um, it is listed as one of the 10 most endangered buildings in Kansas City. This is where I probably told the audience to go, ooh, ah. Mm, ooh, ah. Thank you. Thank you. Form. So in 1858, there was an Austrian man named Anton Sauer. Anton Sauer. That's <laughs> pretty good. Okay. <laughs> uh, and his wife, Francisca. Oh, that's my sister's name. Is Francisca and Francesca the same thing? Like, is Francesca the I mean, German it, or it's Austrian It's like the name? equivalent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm assuming it's Francisca. But it's his Anton and his wife, Francesca, and their five kids immigrated to New York City to be near family. In 1868, Francesca died, and Anton was sick with tb tuberculosis my favorite consumption. consumption um he moved his family to kansas city so he could be near the fresh air because apparently kansas city had some of the freshest air in the country and uh, you still do and at the time if you had consumption slash tuberculosis they thought the best way mm -hmm. to heal yourself was to be out in the fresh air so that's why they ended up moving to this area got it he fell in love with his second wife there named mary who was a widow with two daughters wait what happened to francisca she died. She died, and then he also oh, got tuberculosis. Sorry. I, I, I don't know how she died. It oh. just says in 1868 she died, and then he contracted TB. Got it, got it, got it, got it. So then once he moved to Kansas City, I think she probably died when they were in New York, and then he was by himself and sick. So he Please, brought like, his kids to, to, to uh, Kansas City for tuberculosis. Got it. TB and Casey? <clears throat> there it is. That's, That's a, probably say. exactly what you said there. Honestly, this is probably an exact reenactment that we don't even know we're reenacting. Everyone's like, they're saying the thing. And we're like, are we doing the thing? Yeah. Um, yep, we are. So he fell in love with his second wife, Mary, who was a widow with two daughters. Mm -hmm. um, together, they bought the property for their family of nine. Yikes. That's Woof. a lot of people. Which, oh, which actually became a family of 14 because they had five more kids. Oh, wow. Did you like how I learned that with you? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, it Fun gets bigger. Fact um so he they used this property to build their mansion and it was nicer than any mansion nearby and it had a four-story lookout tower lord almighty that sounds way fun wow four stories sounds like a lot of stairs though <sighs> you know you know an elevator was not no in that place yet. There yet it had a four-story lookout tower a marble grand parlor fire fireplace wow a library and a music space that's fun that's kind of cute super cute the mansion also had a 12-foot ceilings. Love a good 12-foot ceiling. Love that sounds good. not wildly tall. Yeah, I'm like, this kind of... That's probably like a 10-foot 10 ceiling. 10-foot, yeah. Um, I guess 12-foot back then was like a That's crazy. True. That's true. Um, had a four-story staircase made of walnut and oak. A lot of trees died that day. Um, <laughs> That's a real tragedy. Imported chandeliers and furniture came from Italy. Interesting. Fun fact. Uh, it was built by the first trained architect in Kansas City named Asa B.B. Cross, ABC. Aw. And it was known, the building in, the, in this town was known to be, quote, the finest example of an Italian villa in the entire state of Kansas. Wow. Although there was, like, not much to compare it to, but. Oh, so this is Kansas City, <clears throat> Kansas, not Missouri. Kansas City, Kansas. Oh, sorry, guys. Um, I covered the wrong half of your city. Or, actually, I think it might have, yeah, in the entire state of Kansas. Okay. Yes, sorry. Well, we love both I of you. you. <laughs> Are we surprised? Like, I'm. I wish I could act shocked, I just, but I did. That. I wish I remembered if people reacted to that because I feel like they would have been like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> they probably did, and then they were like, "This isn't." That's why we drink. I don't know why. And then I'm surprised. why are we? Yeah, why are we yelling? So, uh, fun fact: 
A perk of this property is that it was very close to the Santa Fe Trail, which at the time was the main highway in the area. Okay. Okay. Um, in 1878, so 10 years after he got tuberculosis and moved there, their infant daughter, Helen, died, yikes, and was temporarily buried in the family garden. Temporarily. Oh, dear. A year later, Anton died in the master bedroom and was buried at Union Hill Cemetery, which apparently, I remember that getting a lot of applause. I weirdly was just about to say, that sounds familiar. And I was like, why is everyone clapping for a cemetery? Okay. Finally, maybe that one's in Missouri. And they're like, finally, you're across the state. <laughs> they were trying to like help me break even. Um, and so then his daughter was reburied next to him. Okay. Oh, the baby. The baby was Aww. buried next to him. So in 1919, Mary hanged herself in the oh, house. shit. And one of their daughters named Eve remained in the house after her mother's suicide, and she married William and had one child, Helen. Okay. So now I guess she's running the house with her husband and daughter. Sure. And after they got divorced, Eve married John S. Perkins, who already had... Oh, wait. Hang on a sec. Oh, she got divorced, and then she married a new guy named John, who already had six children of his own. So now he had... Now she had seven kids... In wow. this house with her. They apparently had three more children together. So now it's a family of 12. And then John uh, died by suicide oh. with a handgun at age 73. Oh. Um, Eve and their son, John Jr. What? What? Had an infant daughter. What? Her and her son had a daughter? No. You can't be reading this up. that right. Wrong. I think I read this wrong. Where? Eve married John Perkins. Uh-huh. John dies. Even John Perkins' son, John Jr., yeah. had an infant Eve, daughter. Even John's son had an oh, infant daughter. Not like thank God. together. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, I'm doing something. No, not no, right. no, no. So <clears throat> the two couple, their son had an infant. I see. Right. So John Jr. now has... Okay, so this is like the fifth generation. There's no incest this in this so far, as far as I can tell. Whew, I was like, I could not... I know I did not read this I'm glad this didn't happen on stage. <laughs> okay. So even John's son, John Jr., had an infant daughter, Cecilia, and Cecilia drowned in the swimming pool. Oh, so there's a, God a lot it. of death in this house. Terrible. And like of generations across. Nevertheless, John Jr. stayed with Eve in the house and his two sisters, Eva oh. and Marguerite. Oh, these are beautiful names. Some of my favorite names. Very elegant names. Yeah, Cecilia, Marguerite, Eva. Uh, when you're just being nice to Eva, so she'll edit your parts better. Dude, edit them better. <laughs> yeah, because that's how this works. Just totally write over your voice with better content. <laughs> <laughs> so when Eve passed away in 1955, a man named Paul Barry, he bought the house and lived there until his death in, 18, in 1986. Okay. So he also died there. Jeez. Paul had to regularly, when he was alive, had to regularly shoo people from trying to break in or vandalize the building, which became apparently a daily occurrence. Mm. And in 1987, a year after he died, another couple bought the mansion who wanted to turn it into a bread and, uh, bed and breakfast. <laughs> I almost said bread and breakfast. I like bread and breakfast. So. It, well, yeah, it's like additional, like a side to your breakfast I is more it. bread. My grilled cheese, extra bread. <laughs> Uh, okay, so another couple bought it in 87. They wanted to turn into a B&B with colonial characters attached to it. Obsessed. So they wanted to, like, actually dress them up and have them reenacting things that people oh, would do in I different rooms. Oh, I thought you meant colonial character to the house, not, like, no, like literal characters. like, colonial Williamsburg, where you're walking around, yeah, like, I don't, in the I know, 1600s. I no longer love this. I'd rather be left alone. Really? Because I love it so much. I mean, maybe if I'm just watching, but if I have to, like, interact, I just... If I'm at a bed and breakfast, I'm like, I just kind of want to I feel like you would, you would interact with a colonial character the way that all of the women in the office did with Ben franklin oh yeah i'd be like tell me more about do you, you wear boxers or pantaloons, pantaloons? 
He's in his oh, knickers. Oh, you're saucy. <laughs> Yikes, yeah. that creeps me out to That's this how I day. imagine you would be at a, at a I colonial I think I would actually be breakfast. like, oh, excuse me. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh. Yeah, you'd be avoiding the rooms where they're going to interact with I you. I would be very uncomfortable. So a year later, it, was, it ended up, I guess, the bed and breakfast. A lot of people felt that same way, and it didn't work out. Well. So in 88, it was sold to Carl Lopp, who was actually a descendant of Anton Sauer. So it went back into the family. Okay. And Carl wanted to restore the building. And apparently, this is a quote from Carl. This house was built by my great-great-grandfather and my great-grandmother, my grandmother, and my mother. They all grew up here. Wow. So, of course, you would want to buy that house. Sure, I would, at least. It's in the family. So, that's the history of it, but here are the ghosts. Oh, yeah. And it looks like there's a lot to talk about here. Perfect. So, uh, here are all the ghosts. There's an apparition of a little boy that walks past the windows. That's nice. Super. Um, there are the doors open and close on their own. The windows open and close on their own. There's a shadow figure of a woman hanging in the tower. Okay. Mm-mm. okay Mm-mm. and this is all alleged let's be clear um, well i think most ghosts are yes i just yeah. before someone who lives there is like that's not true it's like i'm not saying it is i'm just saying this is what the internet has told me um, <laughs> i'm not saying it's true i'm saying the internet says it's true <laughs> i'm saying there have been rumors and i'm reporting on the rumors i'm saying don't sue us please we don't we can't please don't sue us this is a, a fable okay uh there's a small operation and we can't afford that many lawyers we did our best so there is a shadow figure of a woman walking by and standing in the lookout tower and sometimes she's crying i wonder if it's the same like can ghosts have two like two stories versions yeah yeah i wonder like if you like residually yeah maybe it's like i don't know that's a good question like maybe different clips of your life can all show themselves right like there's if you have the energy to do that or the energy of but then also like why would you as a spirit ever want to pick that residual energy like i want to pick the one that represents the actual death of my suicide so that everyone can watch yeah it seems like you wouldn't do that but maybe you can't pick maybe it's just that had so much energy to it that like that was the thing that maybe like certain times of day maybe like if you could like if there's energy left of you like walking to a garden and smelling the flowers that only happens in the morning but at night people can see you like in the lookout tower crying sure um every night crying in the lookout tower that's by me. day smelling flowers by night crying womp womp. um so people have reported uh, hearing a single gunshot <sighs> which could have been from anton's son our son-in-law who shot himself right there are floating lights inside and outside of the building lights have also appeared in the lookout tower and people have said that they have heard a baby crying which might be helen which was anton's infant daughter People have uh, come and said that the activity is the most intense in the attic. People have empathetic experiences of feeling emotions that are not theirs mm-hmm. in this house. So they'll just start crying for no reason, get That's angry for no reason. Scary to me. There's also a song that apparently is hummed or sang throughout the house by a distant <gasps> voice. Ooh, spooky. There are strange sounds in the house, mainly the sound of someone walking around upstairs, but nobody's there. Which, okay, so footsteps. Sure. The fireplace tools and cover will rattle and shake on their own. That would terrify me. The fireplace? Yeah, no. Fun fact. I, when I was a little kid, I almost poked my eye out because my mom, for the first two years of my life, didn't let me have sugar. And then on my second birthday, I got to have chocolate cake for the first time. Oh, no. And I lost my goddamn mind. And I was sprinting around the house and I fell into the fireplace tools and it and one of them I landed on only an inch away from my eyeball. Uh, so like I the to, poker? Yeah. Oh. Uh. So I, I had like this massive for like the first like two or three weeks of my second year, I like had this massive black eye. Oh god. Because I like 
really, really fell on it directly with my face. So, oh. <laughs> children, I hope you're not listening. Children, this is why I don't give you chocolate cake until your third you birthday. Not, till, I thought you say until you're thirty. I'm like, yes, <laughs> no chocolate until you're thirty. Um, or I at least take the fire pokers and put them somewhere else when you're trying cake for the that first time. Might be the better idea. My mom was asking for it. Clearly, clearly, <laughs> she wanted some trouble to happen. Just shoving like, cake in I'm my bored. mouth. Here's some sugar and some sharp objects. That same birthday was the year where everyone in the 90s was obsessed with Barney. Oh, Me sure, specifically. Yeah. I'll still argue I was the number one Barney I, fan. I will not debate you on that. That was also the year where all the parents were fed up with Barney in their house. And oh, so God, my on my second birthday, there was a Barney pinata. And my mom said all of the drunk parents who that were like in their late 20s, early 30s were just beating <laughs> the shit out of Barney. The Barney. And all of the two-year-olds were going, ah! It's, it's interesting when people buy pinatas of like very lovable characters and i'm like you yeah. realize they're about to bash them in that can't be good for their <laughs> mental health i would think well there's a sea of children who are traumatized because of my party i imagine that it didn't go well apparently i ended like up in the hospital a comedy of errors let's put it that way let's definitely call it that a calm a, no Com nope i tried the opposite didn't work okay so fire tools oh yeah mm -hmm. there's apparently one psychic who says that she felt a doctor who died there and could smell medicine and like the the smell of a hospital when he was nearby Ooh, weird yeah you would think Very i have distinct smells maybe the smell of like fried chicken will follow me like or just something really delicious I hope better than hospital smells i'm like there's a lot of things i'd prefer if you could be haunted by a smell or if you could have a smell associated with you when you haunt people one day what smell do you want probably a food item Mine's like, fried chicken for yeah, sure. Yeah, fried chicken or like a grilled cheese. I know. I can't. I'm just, I'm really what hungry. What is going on today? I'm really hungry for a grilled cheese, guy. We should get some. Let's get a grilled cheese. Dinner is going to be up soon. Uh, we should get some grilled cheeses. I know, but yesterday when we ordered food, we just never recorded again. So we should probably finish this. But then we'll get grilled cheese. And then get grilled cheese. Okay. Do you have cheese? I can make, I make a fucking mean grilled cheese. I don't even and know. And not because Skillshare taught me. I ate all me. the bread this morning. God damn it, Christine. <laughs> I didn't know we were going to be in this predicament. So when I was, uh, in my early 20s, which is not a thing I can say anymore. Um, it's terrifying. Uh, oh, I, you'll be fine. <clears throat> I chaperoned my uh, cousin, Tanner. Yeah. I chaperoned him for his spring break when he graduated high school. And I was... I He came back alive, but beyond that, I wasn't a very... I was going to say, you were the chaperone in your early 20s. I this made sure like he a had terrible a idea. great fucking time. He had a blast. Oh, I believe it. Uh, because the person in charge was the one causing problems. I was going to say, the one who always encourages everyone else to get wasted is the one who's chaperoning. He definitely listens to the show now, so... I remember there was one day where I think I lost him. I don't really remember. Oh, children, you're not allowed to be with, with Funkel M any longer he by had a good time. There needs to be a chaperone for you and Funkel M at all times. I remember I got him... I think his dad listens to this. And his dad's very uh UJ. I think yeah, UJ. I think Uncle Jeff, who calls himself UJ. UJ is my favorite. Um, so UJ actually is he really trusted me. I'm about UJ, to, you should have known better. I'm about to break that trust. But he was like, You're gonna keep them in line, right? And I was like, Yes, sir. And what did I, you do? I just got them really, really drunk, like super drunk. Um but they had fun. But I made them so many grilled cheeses. That was where, that was the week where I learned how to master a grilled cheese. I'm pretty sure I made like 30 in the matter of a weekend. So it seems like I I would like to go on spring break with you where you just get me drunk and feed me grilled cheese. I am a really fun person because like, I mean, to be fair, UJ did like should have trusted me. And now like I'm going to get people fucked up, but I'm going to make sure everyone's safe. And like you just said you lost him. I will not believe this. He story. lost himself. Uh-huh. But 
like that's why I was fun at parties because even though I didn't drink, like everyone had a blast because I would take care of everyone afterwards. So mm. you, I would be fun to take care of that's you if you were I drunk. What I just said. You get drunk and I will make you the best grilled cheese of your life. I promise. Listen, I've gotten drunk so many times and I've never received a grilled cheese. So I I'm, never I'm knew kind until of disappointed. I never knew until today how much you really wanted. Them. <laughs> I really want them always. <laughs> uh, okay, so. Moving on. I'm not going to tell any stories about what happened that spring break because I think I still want my uncle to love me. It's too um, late. I think he, he came back it. alive. He just graduated from a grade school. He's he's doing well in his life. So I didn't cause any trouble there. No. So, oh, psychics. Oh, yeah. The smell of fried chicken. That's how we got where we are. Okay. So neighbors have said that they all have heard laughter, shouting and crying from the house. Um, they have also heard yelps and screams as well as knocking sounds coming from all over the building. Ugh. There is a regular apparition of a woman who paces the widow's walk up and down. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Um, Many have actually seen another woman's apparition standing in the house staring at you from the top right window. I don't like that one. I don't like when they stare. No, I don't like when they know you. I don't like when alive people stare. That's correct. Me neither. Although people do say I stare into the camera a lot and they play... like a blinking, blinking like a staring contest, game staring contest with me and i'm like i don't even realize i do that i think i'm just mesmerized by the light <laughs> that is true you like guys can't see it moth. but we, in the the camera's in the middle of a massive ring light right we can't even it really is, see ourselves it's just like a big light yeah if we ever look washed out or too dark we can't tell because this thing's blinding us it's very blinding so on halloween the spirits of a man and a woman can be seen together in the tower weird um, there are reports of ghostly moans and people see fire in the tower and flickering lights throughout its rooms. Oh, geez. That's pretty intense. That's like Especially a for a place s- that didn't seem to burn down. You're right. Huh. I don't feel like fire was ever really. This has to be part of the urban legend part of this because I don't know of a. It didn't seem like a fire, fire story. Involved, right. Who knows? Hmm. I don't know. That'd be weird if you like if you died in a very tame way and then now like fire. now all of a sudden there's fire everywhere <laughs> i guess if you're bored you're like i bo- died in a bo- boring way i better if i had that fire. much power as a spirit where i could just conjure fire for no reason absolutely it's a good time um so cindy jones i don't know who that is was in the- <laughs> i don't know oh i think this was like a witness to something i, I was I like hope so <laughs> i was like i don't know who this person is okay so cindy was in the library one day with her father preparing her friend's wedding talking about the spirits around okay. like in this in in the castle uh, apparently her dad had a story so he jumped in on this and said oh i know about the spirits at that castle apparently at one point her dad was repairing the ceiling there and part of the ceiling got loose and a picture flew out onto the floor oh no it was a picture of Anton's granddaughter who not only looked like <gasps> the bride, because I, I guess they're, oh, yeah, it's coming back now. <laughs> Sorry. Jesus. The wedding was happening at this castle. Well, so, yeah, I would imagine so. Okay. I gathered. But so the so the bride that was getting married in that castle that day, a picture flew out Is of the Cindy ceiling. Is Cindy the bride? Cindy's friend. Oh, okay. And so a, a picture of Anton's da- granddaughter came Ew. out of the ceiling that day and looked exactly like the bride. And that was the day of her 20th death anniversary. Yikes. She's like, you better not get married on my death day. Thank you very much. Uh, Cindy has been quoted saying, I've been terrified and most of the time it's during the day. My No, she must work there. I think she does work there. Okay. <laughs> Listen, we're all on this ride. Did I not say it was going to be bumpy? You said she was a friend of the bride and now suddenly she's there every day. She works there and is a friend of the bride. Sure, we'll go with it that. It really does say friend's wedding. It says friend's wedding. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, see, I passed me would would fight you on this but i don't know enough anymore i'm not fighting i'm just trying to solve the puzzle aren't we all so <laughs> cindy We're not doing a great job 
No, 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 no. So Cindy has said, I've been terrified, and most of the time it's during the day. My father-in-law laughs at me, but he's also had experiences that he can't explain. I can't feel it, but I wonder if it's just... I can feel it, but I wonder if it's just in my head. Hmm. Um, so apparently most of it is in her head, and most of the stories are local lore. Um, Did you say most of it's in her head? Yep. That's, well, apparently most wow, of it is in her Emma's head. Wow, Emma's ghost shaming. Okay. <laughs> I think I wrote it in because I knew that when I'm on propranolol, sometimes I forget things that I've prepared. Like, not that I'm like... Only when you're on propranolol, not now or any other time. Specifically when I'm on stage and I'm so nervous to be there, if I have a line I want to say, I'll just write it in to make sure I say it because it's like, I know I'm nervous. Oh, sure, yeah. So it's like, I'm just going to keep it here. So I think I had written that in so I would make sure to say like, well, most of it apparently is in her head and most of the stories are local lore. Mm -hmm. Um, Historian J.R. Russell is an author who wrote the 1975 article Old Mansion Filled with Legend trying to disprove all the stories. So there have literally been people for decades now trying to prove this interesting um or disprove this he says that most of the stories have no actual origin and they are stories told by people in the area and after so long they just kind of stick um most of the stories of weird sounds and items in the house moving on their own are actually the kansas city wind um if the windows are open things just kind of fly across the table and you just (laughs) call it a ghost i'm pretty sure we were like is that true kansas city does that happen (laughs) um and he says that all of the lights that people see are reflections of the windows or off of the windows. Mm. Um, he says that the sounds of the people screaming are from the owner's dog who had a voice box accident and barks weird. Honey, I forgot about Can you imagine this. if you're so powerful, though, your barks, despite your voice box having some issues. Honey. You are still barking loud enough that the entire town believes a legend. That's true. You are literally the <laughs> you, core of this story. You're doing a good job, man. To his credit, though, most of the stories seem to have come from when the Jones family lived there. So Cindy may have been trying to market the castle. Oh, okay. So Cindy not only worked there, but also lived there. Yeah, I kind of figured Cindy this out. Cindy is a pivotal person. Since you were mad at me for correcting, I just shut up. I wasn't mad. I just am ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> so Cindy lived there, apparently. So uh, Cindy is just this elusive character for all the people who've ever lived there, mm-hmm. I guess. Or ever entered the building. So Cindy uh, may have been trying to market the castle originally when they were trying to sell it as it was haunted so that people would want to come. Um, but most of her stories seem to happen only to her and only when she's alone, including her saying that she got on a t- <laughs> she got on a tape recorder, apparently, saying, ooh, like Stop. ghost sounds. No. And tried, Cindy. To, and tried to market it as if there were ghosts. Did she actually do that? Including her saying she got on a tape recorder. Oh, she did. So she, she said that she got a, like actually. So she on, admitted it. She said that she got on tape the sound of ghosts, but it's probably her going ooh 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 ooh. Oh, I see. You know, Selena and I used to do that. We used to go and then we would hide them in closets around the house and my mom was like please stop wasting all of our batteries you had such a weird such a weird life we I love literally it. had no nothing else except we didn't have the internet I yet had no guys. other friends uh so when asked to show it to others to show this tape where she heard a ghost saying Ooh, when asked to show it to others she had magically lost this tape recorder what? so so it might not have even existed at all yeah she just says that she had it Okay. I imagine so she didn't even have to record it. I imagine she probably did record it and then realized and then after listening it to it, it was like, that's <laughs> too alive. I sound too alive in this. That's true. I so, sound too much like Cindy in this tape. <laughs> it's too Cindy. I God. need to make it more spooky. So beyond the spirits in this house, there are also other legends about the property, which uh, J.R. Russell, the historian, tried to debunk. One is that buried treasures on the property. 
So people think right. that it is in this area because after Anton died, a fence was being built around the land and a shovel that when they were building the fence around it, a shovel hit a brick and found a brick foundation underneath uh, <gasps> with unusual stones at each corner. Yeah, my metal detector. I, I thought it as soon as you went. <gasps> so ready. So apparently there's a brick foundation people didn't know about. And there were some weird stones at every corner. Fantastic. So each corner had arrows. Each corner stone, because they found all the stones, had arrows on them <gasps> pointing in the same basic direction. And people think those were lines. They converge eventually <gasps> to where the treasure is. Just got chills, goose cam. Another legend is that there is a secret tunnel to the river from the castle. But the hill the castle sits on is solid rock and no tunnel. I see. So that's um, been like debunked. basically. Right. That one's okay. been de- Another legend is that a man that once lived on the property murdered his whole family and oh. buried them in the backyard and then died by suicide. So another legend. Interesting legend. But the timelines don't add up for this and no murders on the property have ever been documented. Yeah, that's so a big one. You think that would have a, some... That's a tall story. Tall, tall tale. tale. So another legend is that this land was stolen from the Shawnee tribe. That's probably very mm. believable. Wow, what a legend that is, I'm sure. <laughs> wow, a legend that's also historical fact for most parts <laughs> of the country. Okay, got it. That's a tribe. I probably already told this many times. The Shawnee tribe is the one um, where we live in Cincinnati. Shawnee Run huh. Road. How about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, the So there's records that show that in 1859... There was a native named Tom Big Knife who owned the property and continued to live there for several years until the 1860s when Anton bought the land from him. Okay. And the last local legend is that at the end of the Civil War, a woman who lived in this mansion was told her husband was coming back from war and he would be coming back on a particular ferry. But when he didn't show up, she thought he must be dead. So she died by suicide. He wasn't dead. He just missed the ferry. I already know. He caught another one and came home to her dead. Which, again... I guess is believable, but as someone who has now read as of right now, 152 stories like this, I feel like 85 of them have been a bride waiting for her husband yeah, to come back very, from it's war. It's like a trope. And he then like misses, misses, the the, misses the ship and comes back the next day. And like, because like it was 24 hours later, she'd like died by suicide. Unbearable grief. I feel like it, it happens. It's kind a of a, a trope by now. Um, so many inaccuracies here. One is that in 1859, the land belonged to native American Tom big knife. Um, a married couple did not live there. So when for the oh, the bride to have to debunk this, it's right to debunk this one that the bride was there waiting for her husband. So Tom Big Knife owned this property, not a married couple. The tower was built for the Sowers, and nobody lived there before them. So there's no way that she would have been there to have died by suicide there, because the story goes that she died in the tower. And also, there couldn't have been. Oh, and then some people will say, well, maybe it was a couple. Or um, uh, like a distant relative that was visiting the Sauer family at the time. And maybe it happened when the Sauer family lived there. But the family didn't own the place yet. They didn't live there. So no, no one related to the Sowers could have died there. So Tom Big Knife had it and then the Sowers and there was no couple in between. Got it. Okay. So um, a local in town named Jason Simmons, he made a Facebook page to raise awareness of the castle, to raise funds and restore it, which kind of backfired because although a lot of people garnered interest, it also brought a lot of vandals to the house, Yeah, which means every time that Carl Lopp, the descendant of the Sowers, right. who now wants to restore the place, it's like a local was trying to help Carl by saying like, look at how great this castle is. We should all want to raise funds for it. But now the person who lives there, Carl... He keeps wanting to set up renovations, but they keep getting pushed back because people keep breaking in. Oh, my God. People, stop it. So it still isn't fixed up, or at least at the time that I told the story. In 2015, there's a Facebook message, which is very long, but I read it at the live show, so I'll read it here, too. 
but it is a Facebook message from Carl Lopp discussing these, I guess, these incidents. Ooh, a message to whom? To, I guess, the all those interested in the Kansas City oh, area. Oh, like he posted to the group. He posted to this Facebook page that oh. a local made to help raise awareness of it, and then he jumped on to oh. make a post. So in 2015, Carl Lopp says... From the mid-50s on, the castle has been the subject of constant trespassing, attempted break-ins, dangerous encounters, and often violence. As a result, from the day I purchased the castle, I have attempted to keep a low profile for the castle, believing that the fewer people who knew about the castle, the better. And then this local was like, let's make a Facebook page. Everybody, look at it. Unfortunately, the Facebook page has brought the castle to the attention of thousands of people, creating tremendous problems for the castle and the restoration efforts. The constant flow of traffic with people trespassing on the property and trying to break in is a sad byproduct of this Facebook page. Really, Aww. like, shading this I, know, I like how local. now you're telling millions of people about it, too. So you're no... That's why I'm putting it here, so nobody go look at this don't castle. Don't do it. Don't do He's it. He's asking for people to stop going. Please, listen to classic Carl. Windows are shot out every month or <gasps> smashed up by those that break in. My caretaker and dogs are harassed nightly and often threatened with physical violence. Who are these people who are like, oh, Facebook group about historical, whatever. Yeah, I'm looking shoot at the windows in who's looking at historical uh i guess they're like looking for like places to like or maybe they just see it be and, hooligans yeah I don't maybe know. it just becomes more well known and people who with bad intentions show eventually up. word of mouth gets to the wrong people yeah yeah while this has happened occasionally in the past the facebook page has accelerated the level of attention and therefore damage from the people wanting to encounter ghosts okay so it's people who hear it's haunted trying to break in shooting the windows in. okay very <laughs> violent people trying to find the ghosts the police are called on almost nightly on a, almost on a nightly basis to arrest people who are trespassing on the property but because of this i will dispel the myths that most people on this page enjoy fantasizing about. Oh. There are no ghosts and no evil spirits inhabiting the castle or the property. There is no buried treasure, no secret tunnels, no bodies buried there, and nobody hanging in the tower. Sincerely, Carl G. Lop. So, poor Carl. Even if there is something there, he probably felt obligated to, like, cover it up. So... It doesn't even matter. Like, don't do that. It could be the haunted place in the world. Don't fucking trespass so it, and threaten violence and shoot windows out and harass the dog. So at the end of this i am telling a haunted story that may or may the location may or may not even be haunted according to him it's not although even if it is i'm i would want to not tell that to people if it meant keeping the place safe so yeah and like the people who live there and the dog and the dogs so that is the story of the sour castle yay thank you kansas city okay okay that was fun Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 
30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. You know when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind? Especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things. But Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? We have loved Stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have Stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts just go to stamps.com click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code drink okay only one more story and then christine's gonna start eating grilled cheese i can't wait (laughs) however you guys are in for a trip because this is probably maybe like the most the story that i've wanted to cover most throughout the entire podcast like what i am Okay, so... Wait, have you done this before? I have at a live show, but I've revamped my notes. <gasps> I did not revamp my notes, as you can tell. I did not know who Cindy was for <laughs> you at least 50% of that story. You incest, and there was not. In fact, you <laughs> added to the note. You you unvamped them. I don't know what the opposite of revamp. You vamped them. You I definitely them. unvamped them. Yeah, you unvamped them. Uh, okay, well, <laughs> blow me away, then, with your brand new research. Hopefully. Now I'm nervous. Is there um, incest in yours? I'm hoping there's no incest nor uh, Cindy's, but we'll find out together. Fingers no. crossed. Um, so this uh, is a story that I covered. Now, speaking of like covering places that we're not going to because we feel bad and we and we <laughs> we still love you, even though you guys are maybe mad at us. I promise uh, it's not personal. It's not you. We it's didn't us. do it on purpose. But I'm covering a story from Salt Lake. And uh, this is a story that I had wanted to cover for ages. And when we went to Salt Lake, I was like really excited to tell it. And I have since researched a lot more and gotten way more invested and involved in the story. And this is the story of the disappearance of Susan Powell. Okay. I don't remember this. Not at all? I don't think so. Okay, let's go. A lot of disappearances on your side of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually, you kind of lose track of them. To be fair, there's a lot of brides waiting on uh, husbands in your story. You can probably start just placing bets if the story I'm going to tell is about a bride. It's called a drinking game. Every time there's a bride. That's true. We need a new updated drinking game. Yeah. The old ones, I feel like. Send in your new rules because. We would love some new rules. That's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. I just want to clarify that since I did these notes in Salt Lake City, I have listened to the Cold podcast, and it's probably, I would say it's probably one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. Um, I binged mm. it pretty quickly, but uh, it's like one of the most informative, well-researched, and well-done podcasts I've ever listened to, and it is wow. about this case. 
Um, it's about this case only. Only. Yep. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's very in depth and very long. So I, I also want to preface. I know a lot of people have suggested I listen to it, and I couldn't tell you, but I was or I had. Um, but I also want to say, like, for those who love that show and have listened, like, this is not going to be nearly as much detail, just because obviously that ep- that podcast had like. I don't know, 18 episodes, 18 mm. hour long episodes. I can't fit that all. But gotcha. if you want more That's information, it's so good. So uh, I also apparently back before uh, I'd watched a documentary called Susan Powell and ID Murder Mystery. I love ID. I know. Good stuff. Huh? Love ID. Three podcasts, Morbid Generation Y, uh, Owen oh, Cold Podcast. And uh, I got information from Heavy.com, the Seattle Times and the Salt Lake Tribune. So let's jump in. Got it. Susan Cox was born in 1981 and grew up in Puyallup, Washington, Hmm. in the LDS Church. Uh, She was well-liked in her community. She was very bright, fun, outgoing, had a lot of friends. Um, And this is just like a fun fact about her. And I remember my notes were very long, and this show went way late, and our manager came to the show and was like falling asleep in the audience. So (laughs) I'm sorry if you were there and were like, it is, this is a long-ass show. Oh, yeah. That's, again, that's another reason why we're we're not going to do double shows at at these cities yeah we did two in one night and every time we did one that was we didn't do many but every time we did a live show that and then we did another live show the second show went so late that like not that nobody was laughing because it wasn't funny or entertaining but people were literally falling asleep because <laughs> it's just so late it, it happened to work out that every time we had a, a second show it was at like it started at like 11 o'clock at night <laughs> people... which meant it ended at like one in the morning it was <laughs> and then ridiculous we had meet and, and people were like i just want to go to bed oh we had one show in nashville that started at uh, like 11 30 or that something that one was really wild that one was tough because it and it was pouring rain and we were just sitting there in this room like it was pouring, pouring rain and the the roof echoed so as we were talking there was just like and we kept making awkward jokes like yep there's the alien again and we were like this is so terrible so but also like people were just falling Over asleep. we were falling asleep Over it was it. by the time pe- the people from that show got to have their meet and greet and walk away it was like two in the morning yeah that was rough it was tough on all of us so anyway that's why we are not doing second the shows double again. shows in one night yeah because no, nobody's having fun even if you're trying your hardest to have especially fun especially our manager who was like i didn't know what i signed up for and we were like oops <laughs> but so i the my point is that my notes were really long and i had to cut them back a lot at the time so now i'm trying to expand them back to what they were before gotcha Um, and one of the fun facts that i loved is that growing up she really loved animals and she and her sister created the bird club when they were little precious it just was so sweet and she loved birds and she always grew up with like parakeets and things um so just tells you a little bit about her uh susan's family cared deeply about being a part of the lds church and uh they were really strong about their religious beliefs by the time Susan was 19, she was hoping to get married. She was ready to start a family within the church. Uh, really important to her to stay uh, in the Mormon church. In 2000, uh, 19-year-old Susan attended a church gathering for singles. And that's where she met 24-year-old Josh Powell. They bonded over a similar interest, which is that Josh had a parrot. Oh, so tweet, tweet. I'm interested. <laughs> tweet, tweet. Motherfucker. <laughs> Let's fall in love. You all right? I get your D-peppy? I had to get my D-peppy. <laughs> Sorry. Gotta uh, get my D-pep. <laughs> tweet, tweet. Um, okay, where are we? Right, he had a parrot. Okay. Uh, so they bonded. She really liked him. Um, and unfortunately, while uh, Susan's upbringing was pretty sheltered and idyllic and happy, uh, Josh's was pretty much exactly the opposite. So a little bit about his family. He was one of four kids. And his family, while initially being part of the LDS church, uh, later on, the parents started having some pretty serious problems, and they kind of stepped out of the church. Uh, after his parents got divorced, 
his mother and father would often kidnap the children from each other. Like, it was just a very contentious divorce and mm. custody situation. Josh's dad, Stephen, was very abusive toward the children. He mostly took it out on Josh. When the kids were, like, there were some examples, uh, one of them being when the kids wet the bed, he would force them to take an ice bath to, like... <sighs> I do remember this. That was shock. terrible. Yeah, it's really, really, really fucked up. He would force them into an ice bath to try and, quote-unquote, shock the behavior out. Um, wow. Super great. Uh, he also had an addiction to porn, and he would force his children to watch from a very young age. Mm, wow. His daughter actually said, this I learned in the cold podcast, his daughter said one time um, they had gone on a trip together, just her and her father, and in the hotel room he made her watch porn and explain how it made her feel. Yeah, that's that's the situation wow. we're in. Is this the one where you fucking sing to me? Damn it, Christine! <laughs> <laughs> it's like, when will they figure it out? <laughs> when will they figure it are out? Are we going to hold hands again? We are, that's aren't we? up to you. Do I consent to the hand-holding? <laughs> I suppose. No, absolutely not. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Okay, great. Uh, anyway. I told you... you it was coming. I warned you. Anyway, anyway, keep going. So, Josh, anyway, was grew up in this household. Obviously, it was tumultuous. It was toxic. It was abusive. And this manifested in his behavior being extremely loud. He was obnoxious. He bragged about himself. He was constantly talking about himself. Like, he never... Like, in a situation, people were always very put off by him because... He would just turn everything to him and be like a very much a know-it-all. Like he would mm. know better than everyone else. And just that kind of guy where you're like, ugh, not him again. Um, let's just say Susan's friends and family were not thrilled when she said that they were getting married. They were like, mm, I don't know <laughs> Please about don't. this guy. Not this guy. I know he's a parrot, but <laughs> it's like there's, he, uh, he does not have more redeeming qualities That's than it. that. That's it. <laughs> so you get the, we could take you to a pet store and like you get your own <laughs> get parrot. Your own parrot. Oh, my God. <clears throat> um, they were still really young. Obviously, she was 19. He was 24. Um, in order to save money, they lived with Josh's dad, Steve, for a while. And two years later, they moved to a Salt Lake City suburb called West Valley City. And they bought a cute little house. And when Susan got pregnant with her first son, Charlie, um, Josh, she was very excited. And Josh just kind of began to change. He became more aggressive, controlling, uh, one might say abusive. Mm. Uh, she was like, okay, maybe this is temporary. Maybe he's just in a bad place and like, we'll work it out. Uh, spoiler alert. That's not the case. So one example of this is when Susan went into labor, her dad, Chuck had come in to like be with her and he and Susan, she's like, I'm in, I'm, I'm in labor and uh he's he and susan say josh we got to go to the hospital the baby's coming and he's on his laptop and he's like or his computer and he's like uh, i'm actually really busy right now <laughs> okay there's literally a tweet going around right now like i'm like i'm like a screenshot of a meme or something <laughs> where some where the wife says i my water just broke and the husband says i just made this plate of nachos i saw karen. you i saw you share that <laughs> karen i just made <laughs> Okay, but anyway. I just made this grilled cheese. Um, come like, on. Honestly, can you just hold it in for like 10 more minutes? Like how long is this really going to take? Right. We, we both know you've got a couple hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've watched the videos. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was basically like that. Uh, got it. But instead of nachos, he was on his computer. He was like obsessed with gadgets and technology and like hoarded them all for himself and would like, he was just always on a computer. Um, and they could not convince him to come. He just wouldn't get off the computer. Mm. So Susan and her dad went alone to the hospital. Eventually, Josh showed up an hour and a half later. He sat next to the window about 20 feet away from the bed, just sat there on his laptop until Chuck was like, you motherfucker, get over here. Your wife and my daughter are having a baby and it is your baby. Right. And she's terrified and you need she's to She's about there. to go through the most, like, realistically, statistically, the most pain of her life. And she, 
alone like don't make yeah, her do she's it about for the to first squeeze time. a human out of her for the first time and like you're just sitting there on your computer you don't give a shit Unless you're finding a gadget that, re- that alleviates yeah. labor pain. Unless you're ordering more painkillers on the internet. <laughs> Unless you're stop it. finding a machine that just takes the baby out without yeah. pain. Zap. Get out of here. Unfortunately, after the baby was born and then their second Brayden two years later, uh, things just got worse. So Josh became outright abusive. No hiding it anymore. He would give Susan $10 a week to buy groceries, mm. along with a list of the only things she was allowed to purchase. Uh, He had trouble holding down a job, so Susan was responsible for making ends meet, and her paycheck was the only steady paycheck coming in, but then he controlled all the money, so she wasn't allowed to use it. Uh, He controlled the kids' food. He would only let them eat one time a day. Uh, The kids, actually, one of the sons was actually diagnosed as malnourished because Josh refused to let them eat, and they were little. They were like two and four. And um, he would refuse to feed them because he would say, you're just going to poop it out. And it's like, what are you gonna do but the whole yeah Not so he gets out? he gets to eat the whole time right oh yeah he had his he actually had his own pantry that were locked off just for him his own food wow but his own two-year-old wasn't allowed to eat food so susan actually was known to call her friends and ask them to sneak hot dogs over like raw hot dogs just so the kids could eat something it's really really bad um so yeah he had his own pantry full of snacks uh he refused to buy christmas presents for the kids um and anytime susan tried to use the atm card he would change the pin number so no what she would do is every time she got her paycheck she would just squirrel away a little money so that she could at the end of the year buy christmas gifts for the kids meanwhile he was spending thousands of dollars on his computer equipment and other odds and ends like tools he loved like power tools and things and he would just Mm. collect these like really high-end items and just have them in the house um, for example, one day he bought 3,000 pounds of wheat for no mm. apparent reason. And there's a video of Susan kind of walking around and, like, filming everything. She's like, I don't know, Josh, but all this wheat, like, what are we going to do with all this wheat? Like, Beyond like, eat it because we're not allowed to. Yeah, we can't. And, like, it's just buckets of wheat. Like, what are you going to do? It's just so strange. And, like, he would do that and then meanwhile be like, but you can't have a piece of bread. It, it's just really controlling and terrible and also wheat like it's like not even a gadget it's like not even like, right like what are you like he's only buying it to prove that he can and right she can't and like where do you even buy that where do you buy wheat <laughs> like a farmer I mean, I do guess you, go, you to just farm? go to a farm and buy it i guess Listen, so. we live in la we don't know these things um so anyway fast forward to monday morning december 7th of 2009 charlie and Braden are four years old and two years old respectively the owner of their daycare uh, grows concerned when she realizes the boys haven't shown up for daycare. And this is really odd because Susan was very punctual and she always went to work and on time. And so she would always bring them in. And if, if they weren't coming in, if they were sick or something was going on, um, she would always call and make sure. So this has never happened before. The daycare owner just has this bad feeling. She called Susan's work. No answer. She called Josh's job um, and they tell her he hadn't come into work that day. And so she starts to get nervous. She's like, neither of them have gone to work. None of them are answering their phones. The kids aren't here. And then she remembers that, um, where am I? I don't know. Oh, sorry. I got overwhelmed with my own story. Uh, so it happens. <laughs> so she stops by their house first and she's like, there's no answer at the door, no footprints in the snow. And then she gets nervous because it doesn't look like anyone has come in or out. So she thinks, oh, my God, I remember like we had just they had just been talking about installing a new gas heater. Mm. So she's like, maybe it's carbon monoxide. So she gets really nervous that like maybe it was installed wrong and maybe they were inside and maybe the, you know, gas had been left on. Got it. So she calls the police and they break a window to get in. They find no one in the house. Nothing is disturbed or out of place except that the family car wasn't in the garage, which is strange because there were no tracks in the Mm. snow. 
So they realize Susan's purse is still in the house with her wallet and her keys. And her friends and family were like, she would never have just left without those things. Right. It's just not normal. They also find a mysterious key hidden in her purse. Police notice that the couch had recently been washed uh, to a point where two large box fans are blowing onto the couch and the carpet oh, so like, to dry them. <sighs> Sorry. Like really washed, like freshly washed, had, like we're still, still wet. wet. Yeah. Ugh. Exactly. So there were these giant box fans like drying, attempting to dry the couch and the carpet with the only other odd thing going on. Um, so police issue a bolo for the Powell's minivan and uh, they spend all day looking for them. Finally, around 7 p.m., Josh just fucking pulls up to the house and everyone's like, thank God, like they're here. Mm. Except Josh and boys are in the car, but Susan is nowhere to be found. Police are like, where the hell have you been? And he says, oh, around midnight last night, I decided to take the boys camping. I just woke them up and was like, we're going camping. I don't believe you. <laughs> you don't? I'm going to I'm gonna just jump in now with my opinion. On December 7th uh, in Salt Lake, you're not going camping in, at midnight on a Sunday? That's strange. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my chips on that one, yeah. All right. If you're in, you're in. I'm in my... I'm in, I'm in, no backsies. No, no taking backsies, <laughs> no guys. Uh, there was a snowstorm coming in, so police were like, why would you leave knowing there's a snowstorm in the middle of the night to go camping when you have work and school the next day? And Josh said, oh, we do this all the time, and by the way, the boys really like s'mores. Okay. P.S. Here's more validation for my story. P.S. They like s'mores. Not that they're allowed to eat them, I guess, ever. Yeah, P.S. They've literally never had sugar because they don't even have food. I feed them wheat sometimes. They love watching me eat s'mores. So sad. Uh, so then they're like, well, where's Susan? And he's like, oh, she's at work. And they're like, She's not at work, bud. Uh, he's like, hmm, I think she's at work. They're like, he's, she's not at work. Uh, like, we're here for a reason because we cannot find yeah, her. Yeah, there's a point. So where is she? You don't seem concerned. So they take him to the station to interview him. They ask, why on earth would you take two kids out in sub-freezing temperatures on a Sunday night? He says, oh, I forgot it was Sunday. I thought it was Saturday. And throughout all this, he's like super nonchalant. He's like, can I go home now? Uh, he doesn't seem to care that his wife is just missing, didn't show up for work. So they bring him in the next day without the kids for a formal interview, and he's just as nonchalant. He either stares blankly or he robotically repeats the same lines over and over. You can watch this video footage online. Um, he's just like a never-ending talker and a know-it-all, so the fact that he's just silent is very odd. Like, his friends mm. were like, no, he just fucking never stops talking. He blabs constantly. He knows everything. And in this case, he's just silent. And so they're like, something is going on here. Like, if this just is shady as hell. Then all of a sudden, he gets really upset really upset like just worked up and it's not because his wife is missing it's because police had broken a window to get into his house mm. and he's like why would they break my window and they're like we were looking for your missing wife and he's like but you didn't have to break my window like he's just like very upset about this broken window and they're like that's the most emotion you've shown all day is that we broke a window at your house yeah <sighs> okay so police are like listen that shouldn't be the concern uh and <laughs> at all <laughs> at all even a little bit um and little does josh know at this point that another detective is simultaneously interviewing his children separately mm, i see when the detective asks four-year-old charlie this is chilling also you watch it on video footage uh who are you camping with he says my dad and my brother and my mom when she asks okay charlie when you came home from camping who came home with you he says my dad and charlie says and she says what, what about your mom and charlie says my mom stayed where the crystals are good night he said, because it's so pretty where the crystals grow. Good night. Goose cam. Of course, when Josh hears this, he's like, they're kids. They don't know what, they're, what the hell they're talking about. They're lying. He literally called them liars, actually. 
but detectives are now like, oh, fuck, we're on high alert. Um, they obviously at this point have nothing to hold Josh. So they have to let him go. They canvassed the whole area where he had supposedly gone camping, but there had been no or there had been fresh snowfalls. There were no footprints. They really couldn't find much. They did find like a, I think he was like a sheep herder who said he had seen a literal shepherd. Yes. Which actually is what my last name means. Well, actually, it's more like what Schaefer means. My name means slate, but I just go with shepherd. It's more interesting. Um, That's fine. <laughs> Do whatever you want. In the grand Fun scheme fact. of things, call yourself whatever the fuck you want. Um, but uh, yeah, so he said like, oh, I saw a sheep herder and uh, the sheep, they found the guy and the sheep herder was like, yeah, I did see them in their minivan. So they think like this is just a weird way of him like covering his tracks like he really was out there because this guy was like no i saw their minivan mm. um so da 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 no tracks couldn't figure anything out josh is at this point named a person of interest and he moves out in the middle of the night to washington okay he's just like goodbye and they're <laughs> like that's not good bad 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 call there bad, bad sign call. bad sign Meanwhile, Susan's family is trying to spread the word any way they can, which is just pissing Josh off. He finally speaks out, but what he says is shocking. He says, Susan was extremely emotionally abused as a child. He insults her parents. He makes Susan sound promiscuous, rebellious, problematic. He basically says he wants to take her off the pedestal everyone thinks she's on. Wow. But also, didn't she have a great upbringing and he had the bad upbringing? Yes. Okay. But like, also, it's like your wife is... This is not the way a normal person reacts. This is not how we describe our wife when uh, she's missing. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Even if you really believe that, like, it just still doesn't make sense. To like, this isn't the time for it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Then this fucking shithead dad, Steve, gets involved. Josh's dad. The two of them make a website about Susan's disappearance. Oh, by the way, Josh loved to make websites. Well, that sounds right with yeah. all this gadget talk. Exactly. And they were like really crappy. Like they weren't like well done, but he called himself like a webmaster. You know, those oh people my who God. do shit like that. And he had one at one point. I remember it's called like, it was called like for the kids with two Z's and he like made it. I'm always crazy. <laughs> four, four, four. Shut up. Hey, I was like 11. <laughs> this guy is too old for this crap. So they make up this website. And uh, this is the theory that they post on this website. They say, so this guy, Stephen Kosher, had also disappeared from Salt Lake City around the same time. So they invented this theory that she was having an affair with this guy, Stephen Kosher, and they ran away together. But everyone's like, they have never met. There is no connection between them. There's no evidence of it. Not even a little bit. Like, what does this guy have to do with this guy, with her? But so that was the theory they had kind of just concocted is that she, they ran away to Mexico and were having an affair. Um, because they both disappeared around the same time it wasn't true spoiler alert got it so susan's family and friends are just fucking pissed at this point they're like we're trying to find her and you're on the internet posting like fake stories about how she's having an affair and we're just trying to find her alive hopefully um so in february 2010 the cox family which is susan's family uh holds a press conference they break the news that at this point they're like we have to say something they break the news that susan had been a victim of abuse at the hands of josh they divulge all the information I mentioned earlier about, like, controlling the money and not letting the kids eat. And they also revealed that the abuse had gotten physical a few times and that she was scared of him. Mm. Obviously, Josh is not thrilled about this uh, mm-hmm. new update. Tips at this point start rolling in, though. One man calls police and says that at a Christmas party in 2008, Josh had told him that he had figured out the best way to hide a dead body. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair it does sound like one of our conversations right but also like when you're in the middle of an investigation where yes. your wife is missing that's probably again 
not the time to talk about yeah. that. He's really bad at reading rooms. It well, seems. no, this was before, like a year before. Oh, oh, oh. The guy just says, "Oh, I remember one time at a Christmas party." Just like what a convenient thing to remember, and also what a convenient thing it suggests premeditation. Yeah, it's just like not a good look. Mostly, I would time. have at the very least deleted that. Like, tried to hide my tracks of any early on thoughts of this to yeah he cover suspicion he wasn't mostly like the most subtle guy in the world doesn't sound like put it. it that way but uh he and uh susan actually loved like true crime shows like they loved investigation discovery they loved all those shows but so what josh would do all the time is say "Ugh, killers are such idiots they always mess up like i know how i know how to do it like he would always say i know better i know better and like i'm sure which i'm sure i'm sure is which every uh, killer has said honestly i think a lot of people think that way they're like oh what an idiot i mean he, he left the he, fingerprints at the crime he literally thought he was smarter than all of them and you're reporting about him right now yeah. so clearly you're not smarter than them well we'll see oh god okay uh so i don't want him to be right in any way so w- well we'll see so in 2008 this he had been blabbing on about how he knew exactly how to hide a dead body and it was to throw it down a vertical mine shaft and he said no one would ever find it there's so many mine shafts out in the utah landscape like no one will find it police take this tip very seriously because he was camping out right in, right, right right yeah so they are like we're gonna start searching but this mining country there are tens of thousands of mines out in the desert like some of them thousands of feet deep and also they're very dangerous like the ones that are closed off are closed off for a reason like you're not supposed to go in there they're extremely dangerous so it's very hard to um to search there was one mine, though, called the Ironsides Mine that police were not able to search because someone had poured gasoline down there. And the fumes were so strong that uh, searchers couldn't enter. So that was kind of an odd an odd update. Uh, mm. One reason they took the lead so seriously is that the mines in the area tended to grow crystals. <gasps> oh, mm. I see. After logging more than 6,000 man hours, police finally stopped their search. Person hours. Man hours. Uh, hours. Just hours. They're labor hours. Labor hours. Uh, police have to stop their search empty-handed. They're like, there's only so much we can do. 6,000 hours of searching mines. You know, it's where are you going to go from there? So two years later, they still have nothing on Josh. They're frustrated. So they c- turn to the only other person who's kind of involved and who th- they think might have some information. And that's Josh's dad, Steve. They're like, he might be our way in since Josh just will not give up anything. So the Powells and Coxes at this point are on, like, full-out war with each other. Josh had filed a restraining order against Susan's dad, Chuck. And the cops are like, we have this idea. Chuck, says Susan's dad, why don't you organize a public event in an attempt to spread awareness about Susan? The event would take place... (laughs) So police, like, kind of follow Josh, figured out what grocery store he frequented, then had Chuck set up the, the, like, march or, like, the... It was like a honkin' wave where, like... They're like, help find Susan, and people like honk, and just to draw awareness. Um, so they had him organize this in front of the grocery store where Josh went to. Oh, my gosh. And Chuck was like, I didn't even know that's what they were doing. I thought they were just telling me to hold this God. in honor of Susan. And he's like, then later I was like, oh, they did it on purpose. Okay. So uh, they wanted Josh to show up on camera because there were news crews, and to get so upset that he said something incriminating. Kind of smart. Yeah. They're, like, trapping him into this, like, situation. Emotional yeah. experience, yeah. Knowing where he would get, knowing he would get pissed. So, of course, Steve does show up. Uh, news cameras are rolling, and Steve starts screaming that Chuck is violating a restraining order. He brought a copy of it with him also. Okay. Um, <laughs> because they're at a shopping center that Josh visits. So this is, like, a rally to raise, a, a rally to raise awareness about Susan and... 
Josh is showing up like, you can't do this. This is a restraining order violation. He's like, I'm just talking about my daughter. This is not about you. This is not right. about like okay. anything you did. And Josh is like, fuck you. You can't do this in my air in my neighborhood. Um, you need to shut this down. And then Steve goes, Steve, the dad goes, oh, do you, to Chuck, Susan's father, who's missing his daughter, he goes, do you really think this is going to do anything? And Chuck, and meanwhile, you watch this, Chuck is wearing a shirt with his daughter's face on it that says, like, help find Susan. And this guy's Aww. just screaming at him, like, do you really think this is going to do anything? That's so terrible. It's terrible. So then Steve does a really dumb thing, just like they had hoped. So this is uh, Susan's father-in-law, Josh's dad. This idiot says... Well, we have Susan's journals, and they confirm everything about how terrible of a father you were. So police are like, oh, you have her journals. Interesting. Like putty in my hands. Correct. <laughs> Fucking idiot. He's such an idiot. So they were like, well, interesting. Maybe we should know about this. Uh, so they have their way in. They literally, like, the cold podcast plays all the inter- like the interviews, and they're so the police are so good at being like, oh, bud, like, tell us more about mm. how much Susan meant to you. You know, like just really playing him and he's so he just falls for it he just wants to talk about her he wants to talk about her just falls for it every time so finally they're like i mean we can look around right like we can check out your house like just to make sure i mean we know you have nothing to do with like we can check it out and he's like oh of course yeah totally so they come (laughs) over and they're like we're gonna find these journals so they have their way in they obtain a search warrant um and here we go this gets a little wild not only do they find Susan's journals, which he clearly has, like, he and Josh have stolen and have kept at, at Steve's house. Steve, uh, they also find Steve's journals. And in these journals, it's tens of thousands of pages that he's written. He writes everything down, like, obsessively. Wow. And they find quite some disturbing information. Okay. He reveals that he is madly in love, desperately sexually in love with his daughter-in-law, Susan. He wrote about wanting to share her with Josh, and that was his right to do so. His right. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was his right. Goodbye. The next day, he wrote about sniffing hair uh, from her hairbrush that he collected. Uh, quote, what I've written, this is from his journal. What I've written about Susan represents the first time I've mentioned fetishes and what might be considered sociopathic. I mean, who looks under the bathroom door with a mirror? I tend to think a lot of guys do. So just gives you a little glimpse into what the fuck this guy was doing this whole time. Got it. He said, and remember, they lived with with his dad when they were having money troubles when they first got married. They lived with, and Susan's friends later said that's why they moved. Like, that's why they left, because she couldn't be around her father-in-law anymore. He was so creepy. I was going to say, did she like him back? But No. Okay. No. Hell no. Uh, well, he thought she did. He kept writing, like, Got she's it. resisting. The, the LDS church has brainwashed her. She's resisting her sexual lust for me. And it's like, okay. she's 19. Like, you are a fucking Disgusting. creep. And, like, he has photos from the wedding where he's, like, zoomed in and, like, watching her and writing. Like, she just wants me. She doesn't want Josh. It's beyond. Um, he actually, there's actually a recording in the cold podcast that I didn't know about where he admits, he's like, I'm in love with you. And they're driving. She's driving. And he's recording this, and he has a camera. They filmed everything. It was really weird. So he goes, I'm in love with you. And she's, like, 21, and he's 54, and she's just, like, I, she's, like, Steve, I can't do this. Like, I don't know what you're trying to do, wow. but, like, I can't do this. And he's, like, well, I just thought you've been giving me so many signs. And she's, Goodbye. like, she's, like, I don't know what you think you felt, but, like, I didn't, I wasn't trying to give you any, I'm sorry if I misled you. And he's, like, you gave me so many signs. And the sign, when police were, like, oh, well, like, did she ever do anything, like, to give you the idea she was interested? And he said, 
Yeah. So she had got wax. She was learning to like wax her own light, like wa- do waxing, I guess. Um, and she also cut hair and stuff like that. So she had, was uh, practicing her waxing and she had done it on her own legs. And she's like, oh, my God, feel like there's like no hair fat. And so was he's the like, sign? she wanted me to touch her legs all over. And it's like, fuck off. And then, oh, there's one point where he literally says they're like, he said no. She said she didn't say no. She said I'm not interested, but that's not, that doesn't, that's not no. And it's like, what the F? This guy is so perverted. If it's not a yes, it's a no. Exactly. If it's not a chant that. If it's not a resounding If you don't know that and that is not information you're privy to, chant it until you get it. Yeah. Yeah. Not yes equals no. So essentially, exactly. So um, anyway, that's just some, a little tangent, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So da 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 her uh her hairbrush, he's like, I smell her hair. I mean, it's just so many things I can't even remember at this point. Uh along with the journals in his closet, investigators find a collection of Susan's panties that he would steal. Also, uh, you know, in, in the LDS church they wear these undergarments that are like considered sacred and it's part of like okay. what you wear. Um and he stole those out of her laundry and it's like those And are, if it's sacred and they're religious your community, sacred. yeah. They're like religiously sacred. He he would steal them out of her laundry. Yeah, it's just beyond. He took uh tampons, used cotton balls. Used tampons? Yes. Goodbye. Nail clippings. Then he would put them in Ziploc bags with the date. <gasps> yeah. Oh my god. Can you imagine opening that closet? Oh my god. What did he think was gonna happen? When they came out, he's like, yeah, you can come check out my house. I wish I could just go from, like, cop to cop to cop and be like, what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen? I can't even imagine. Not, like, the most, like, you know, tragic or horrific thing. But, like, what's just the weirdest thing you've seen? Toenail clippings with dates is pretty fucking weird, yeah. Yeah, use tampons with dates on it. Yikes. And that's, that is dark. That's really dark. Really fucked up. Um, They also discovered that Steve fancied himself a songwriter. <laughs> wait wait for it i know you i know you want me to do it now but put it put down your hand and let me lead up to it stop touching me okay okay hands off hands off not your your, your arm lingered not a yes means a no okay <laughs> sorry shouldn't linger uh he wrote some love songs about susan um the documentary actually played a recording of steve singing the songs uh the documentary i watched but also the uh, the podcast um it's so fucking sinister this like this music one of the songs is called susan with the sunlight hair and actually it used to be called i forget her name like pam or peggy or something with the sunlight hair he wrote it about a different woman who was also married and not interested in him and then he changed the words to susan later on so like he just reused the song from a previous rejected love affair i see correct and um here are the lyrics no no we gotta enter we gotta lace the fingers yeah oh that's not how we hold hands is it that's better wait how do we how would we hold hands that's better okay i hate it (laughs) i hate it just sing fast (laughs) just sing make some room for me (laughs) within you i don't know the tune either yes you do i don't i know you can i know the i know the chorus okay just do it for the moment i begin to smell the perfume in your hair and caress you everywhere i'm missing you (laughs) then it goes i can love you in a secret way i can love you each and every day there's nothing i can't see there's nothing you can't be it's not perfect but i'm missing you was that good i would like the next three (laughs) therapy sessions paid for (laughs) 
well, you can expense it. Um, I don't actually know. I literally, I know I can love you in a secret. Way. I don't know what the fuck the other tunes are. So I, just... I want Chris. I want everyone to know that if you were not at the live show, I was not prepared. I didn't know. <laughs> I Chris... wasn't either. I wasn't gonna do it. But it was the second show after another a lot of show. Wine? Yeah, I don't... A Christine lot of held wine. my hand, and also you looked me in the eyes the whole time, and you said it a lot slower, only... especially the part about somehow us being in each other it was very gr- what's that what's that sentence because i hate it no we're holding Make some good. room for me within you there it is i hate that that was the that was your leading line too i was vomitous. like it's only gonna get worse vomitous it's terrible so thank you i think am i supposed to thank this- you <laughs> you can do whatever your heart feels which is probably throw up and run away. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> I really know. hate that I did this now on audio because I did it live and I was like, well, no one will ever have to hear it again. Now I'm like, why did I do that? <laughs> also, I had like the video most too. tone deaf person in the on the planet. No, so. you for singing a really horrific song, you sang it well. I wish I knew the. I only heard the chorus, man. I think that's enough. I think it's enough. I don't think. I think we're okay. I think saying "aw shucks" before that is not needed. <laughs> uh, too bad. Uh, okay, let's move on. Please. And then I write, it doesn't stop there. Oh, <laughs> never mind. So they're like, he is deeply sexually obsessed with his daughter-in-law. Uh, they find thousands of images and videos of Susan. He followed her all over town while she ran errands. And in his journals, he would like write accompanying every day that he did this. He would write and he would say, she knew I was watching and she liked it. Like, she did it, by the way. Like, he would literally I stalk her. And I hate that. so delusional that he would think... He would write like, oh, she loves, she knows I'm like following her. I saw the way she like twisted her skirt or like flipped her hair. Like she knows I'm watching it. I mean, it is so beyond like upsetting. Like it's (sighs) deeply, darkly upsetting. Um, so he, right. So he filmed her while she ran errands. He would take videos of her across the room when she didn't know he was filming. Um, and so this is obviously quickly why she was like, we need to move out of here. Um, he even had pictures of her face that he would superimpose on bodies of other women, like, you know, collage-like. Um, and he was also physical with her. So when she was in the kitchen, he would often come up and put his hands up her skirt or try to brush up against her. Uh, she Imagine had... having to live with that. I know. I, can't, I just I can't. can't. Because especially if it's so dark and sinister that you're like, you can't escape it at any point. And there's no... I wonder how... I mean, I know she clearly knew that he was interested in her, but I wonder if she knew about, like, the the stuff in the closet i don't think it was that bad i don't think she knew that imagine if you just rolled into like you were like dropping off like laundry or like a book or something and put it in his room and fucking found you all found that. like your own tampons yeah oh my god i know i don't think she knew it was to that extent she just was like listen he said like he's clearly crossed too many lines and um i think he had enough sense to like journal about it rather than like say hey i have your toenail clippings <laughs> like i think he kept that to himself. at least he knew some things are best kept alone until like, the on police your own. show up and then oh, he's like yikes. here you go right yeah so uh she had revealed to her friends uh that that was the reason that they had left washington and moved to utah but bro- josh like at first he was kind of upset when he found out but then he like brushed it off and was like it's my dad it's not a big deal um and it gets worse so i'm sorry let's not gloss <laughs> over that <laughs> so oh. so he's saying oh it's okay that my dad's touching on you yeah. like it's not it's not as bad as it could be if yep. it were a stranger touching up on you. It's someone that's not uh, your husband yep, yep. touching up on you. Yep. And also, like, well, it's, it's, it's you more said worrying no. it's someone that it's someone that you, you know. Said, it's somebody that you said, no, I don't want this touching you, whether it's your relative or a stranger. Yeah, regardless of your relationship, it's someone exactly. who, first of all, you're married to, so 
you think it, you'd it, care a little bit. Yeah, some someone that you're married to who's saying they are not interested. They're not also, comfortable. If this is like a like a more traditional style of marriage, like you're you're probably monogamous. Like you probably wouldn't want your wife to be with them. Yeah. I I just think if your wife or like for par- so many reasons you shouldn't it doesn't yeah right like it's obvious but like if your partner says I'm uncomfortable with this man touching me by the way it's your dad you'd think you'd be like there, I would imagine there's the only additional layers of disgust here but that obviously like just goes to show how fucked up their whole relationship was like Josh yeah. was raised by this guy and so you know I mean he's I mean been... and he was already to be fair he was already abusing her so he probably exactly. thought this was just one more thing to the docket of, and he did get really upset she said like he was furious and they oh, moved. Okay. he didn't talk to him for months and then um eventually he was like you know what like we just got to move on because like he just couldn't live without his dad i think he just created his own excuses in his head like got it oh he's done with it now don't worry like it won't come it's in the past or something yeah like we just have to move on and she was like no mm. so it gets worse i know it can't seem like it does but it gets so much worse um Steve had also been taking photos and videos of two little girls who lived next door. Fuck. Yeah, through the windows of them. It's spreading. When they were on the toilet or taking baths, um, they were very much underage. Um, I think they were t- one was 12, one was younger. Um, this is obviously a felony. So on September 22nd, police arrested Steve for child pornography and voyeurism. He's sentenced to 30 months in jail. Oh, I also want to add another thing I learned um, from the other sh- podcast uh, is that like he had videos of himself masturbating to video secret videos he had taken of susan so like okay it just he would literally film himself he like got off to himself getting off on this correct yes that's it's just a lot of layers of problems meta in the worst way um so finally the, so he has this child pornography charge he goes to jail finally the cox family has ammunition to be like we want our grandkids back i mean think about this also there's two little children here the whole time like in the middle of right. this nightmare without their mom so uh the the cox family's finally like we want our grandkids we want uh custody so they did get a temporary custody order to have them live with them instead of steve and josh but josh fucking hated this like he was he just hated that the Cox family was, like, taking the kids, taking control. It wasn't even about the kids. It was just, like, that they kind of won over him and, like, that it was a control thing, I think. Um, but it tries they might, even though uh, Steve was in, in jail now, they could not get him to admit anything about knowing where Susan was. So eventually they were like, "I we honestly – he believed she was still alive and that she was going to come back and they would get married. Like, he in his journals. So, like, he was very delusional, and I think finally they realized, like, he legitimately doesn't know what happened. Like he really, truly wants her to come back and marry him. And he's that delusional. He really believes. Wow. So the grandpa, the dad is just, they're like, he's not going to help us very much. Right. Um, back in Utah, Susan's employer tells police, Hey, just so you know, Susan had a safe deposit box here that no one else knew about. Mm. Then they're like, how do we get in? Oh yeah. Remember that tiny little key we found in her purse that nobody knew what it goes to. Uh, so that key went to the safety deposit box. When they opened it, they discovered video footage. It was like a VHS tape. It was video footage. I don't know if it was VHS tape. It may have been digital at this point. Hmm. Doesn't matter. Uh, video footage Susan had taken on July 29th, 2008. She had talked to a divorce attorney who told her to take video of all the assets in the house so that Josh couldn't hide them or anything. In the video, she says, I'm covering all my bases. You can watch this video too. She's kind of like selfieing the camcorder. Got it. She says, I'm covering all my bases, making sure that if something happens to me or my family or all of us, that our assets are documented. 
Hope everything works out and we're all happy and live happily ever after as much as that's possible. And then the video ends. It's just very eerie. Because, like, she knew something was up. She, uh, presumably. Yeah. Or she just was like, oh, hoping for the best. And it's like, mm. <laughs> Okay. Unfortunately. Susan's attorney then instructed her to hide the tape somewhere uh, somewhere nobody would ever have access to it, especially Josh. Uh, but she did end up confronting Josh and saying, listen, if here's a um, – oh, God, I just lost my words. Like a condition. Like if you don't shape up by our anniversary, oh, I'm uh, c- uh, yeah. Oh. I know. I lost Ultimatum. It. Yeah, an ultimatum. Thank you. Um, she gave an ultimatum. She says, if our marriage isn't working by April, I'm out of here. Um, and so at this point – detectives are like kind of building a case against josh they're like okay it seems like he's involved especially after they found the letter in the safety deposit box it was folded up and stapled shut and on top of it it was written on top of it was written susan's last will and testament and then on the other side of the stapled letter it says do not show this to josh or give this to josh i do not trust him the will and testament said if anything happens to me it may not be an accident even if it looks like one. Oh shit. Yes. So she like you said knew something was up. Around this time a guy at a salvage yard in Colorado gets a call from a man who he gets this call and this man's like I need a satellite image of the salvage yard where uh and they're like why and he's like well I had my car towed there a long time ago. I just want to make sure the car's been destroyed. Can hmm. you send me a satellite image of the of the salvage yard interesting and they're like what's your name and he's like michael powell and that is josh's brother so this guy is watching the news and he's like weird that's the same name as like the guy who called and was super sketchy about getting an image of the salvage yard so the guy calls police he's like hey i recognize this name from your case um it turns out right when susan disappeared michael uh, josh's brother had sold a car for scrap but the car was like in great condition like pretty new right he sold it for 200 bucks and paid to have it destroyed uh this didn't make any sense unless there was some involvement they thought um cadaver dogs were sent to look at the car and they immediately alerted to the trunk indicating that there was decomp in the trunk Mm. but uh they didn't find anything however i will note that later on when uh brayden was in kindergarten he was in kindergarten uh he drew during craft time he drew a picture of all of them uh on a road trip and then there was a person in the trunk and they said who's that and he said mommy good night yep nope uh he also told his daycare instructor or his teacher i'm not sure which mommy's missing but we're not allowed to talk about that or camping i have a lot of secrets okay this kid is i bet you do these poor children i mean so disturbed at this point like can you imagine i mean Especially if your parents... Especially are- also if you're young enough and it's dark enough, like, you'll just repress it. Totally. And eventually you're not going to be able to remember those secrets. Like, I hope he told someone before he forgot. Yeah, so unfortunately... So they tested the car. They couldn't find Susan's DNA. Just was, like, another really frustrating false lead. Meanwhile, considering uh, Josh's control issues, he is losing his mind that he doesn't have the kids. Like, he's well, yeah. losing his mind that the Coxes have the kids. Uh, the grandparents are trying everything in their power to give the kids a normal life to uh, prevent Josh from getting the kids back. Kids were like really disturbed at this point. Uh, Chuck says that they every time they went to bed, they insisted on going to bed in the same bed naked. And he's like, "Why?" And he's like, "Well, Daddy doesn't let us wear clothes oh, to no. bed." Oh And like uh, they said, "Oh well, where does he sleep?" And he's like, "He sleeps in between us in bed with no clothes." <laughs> like the whole thing was just like, "Oh no." Chuck was like, "We were trying to give them some normalcy because they were not normal. Like they were not being raised in a normal household." Right. Um, 
So at this point, uh, Chuck is like, we cannot let them go back to Josh. So he's like, we're going to go through Josh's parents' divorce paperwork and find anything we can to, like, build a case that we want custody of the kids. Because, like, even though Josh is, like, cuckoo, it's really hard to get custody from, like, an actual parent, you sure. know? Um, so, on t- so they go through the divorce paperwork, and what they find is shocking. So on top of all the abusive situations I described earlier about Josh's childhood, like the ice baths, the pornography, they discover that Stephen also encouraged the boys to kick and beat their mother. Okay. Once she had asked Josh to show her more respect, and he had responded by saying, you have to earn respect, Mom. What have you done to earn my respect? <gasps> oh, my goodness. And this was, like, all documented in um, the divorce paperwork because she's like, my children are abusing me. My husband's abusing me. Like, it's just... Wow. Started from a young age. Uh, Josh also killed his sister's gerbil. Um, at one point, he attempted to take his own life by hanging. Um, just very troubled childhood. Susan's friends remembered Susan telling them... Sorry, Susan's friends remembered Susan telling them that once Josh had threatened that if she <laughs> ever left him, she, that he would do to her what his dad did to his mom. As in, like, beat her up. Destroy her, basically. Uh, More than beat her up. Got you it. know, I mean, get the kids, get, like, just destroy her. <laughs> Got it. Um, beat her, too, I'm sure. And so this is obviously more motive. So the custody hearing um, took place, and Josh argues his side, but then the state prevents an argument, uh, sorry, presents an argument challenging Josh's fitness as a parent. This is what it is. It is incestuous child pornography, but animated uh, on his hard drive. So they had gone and encrypted or decrypted his hard drives, and they found animated porn that was incestuous. And this was enough to bring up as a red flag to be like, no, he can't go home with them. With him, they mm. can't go home with him. And I will say, like, it's much more com- complicated than that. And like, the legal system was all involved in the layers of getting that to court so it's a lot more than that but essentially that's what ended up happening is they found this you know pornography and they were like he's not fit as a parent if he's have has this incestuous pornography got it so uh he was allowed however supervised visitation rights with the kids um and actually he was told he had to take a psychosexual evaluation like he was uh, and this really fucked him up because he's like i'm i don't need to be evaluated i'm fine like give me my kids and they're like not only do you not get your kids now we have to psychosexually evaluate you because like right. you're that fucked up and so he is obviously pissed but he does get supervised visitation rights for the meantime only with a social worker present he's humiliated he's pissed off but he takes advantage of the supervised visits um and on february 5th 2012 charlie and Braden's grandparents have no choice but to let them go see their dad um so the social worker takes the kids to josh's house He's waiting outside, and the kids run up to, the, to see him, um, the social worker following behind. And when the boys get inside, Josh takes one look at the social worker, smiles at her, and then shuts the door and locks <gasps> it. Oh, shit. The social worker panics. She hears through the door, Charlie, I have a surprise for you. Oh, and no. then she begins to hear Braden crying. Uh, and as the door shuts, she also gets a whiff of gasoline. Fuck. So she immediately calls 911, but the dispatcher does not seem to be very concerned. Um, she tells the dispatcher she smells gasoline. Uh, she tells him he's she's moving her car out of the driveway because she's like, there's gasoline. I don't know what's going on. And he keeps being like, sorry, so like, is this your kid? And she's like, no, I'm the social worker. I'm here to be to so supervise. So like the dispatcher's like first day? He just was very much like nonchalant, like he later like said too chill <laughs> way too chill he later said he thought like it was the mother and it was like but she kept saying i'm the social worker he's not supposed to have the kids and she's like his name's josh powell and i guess the dispatcher didn't recognize the name and it, it just was like very bad like he he just didn't 
dispatch police at one point the call dropped and then she called again Ugh. and he kept saying well what's the address she's like i don't know i think it's this and he's like well is it or is it not and oh my gosh just like really frustrating to listen to so eventually and she's like so patient on the phone i would be losing my god in mind and he, i know he literally says um okay i'll just i'll just tell the story from what i wrote uh so i don't mess it up so she says i'm moving my car out of the driveway finally after several minutes um i think it was like eight minutes later the dispatcher agrees to send police she asks how long it'll be and he says i don't know ma'am they have to respond to emergency life-threatening situations first and she yells this is life threat or she says this may be life-threatening i'm afraid for their lives and then the call just ends and moments later the house explodes okay um finally it takes a long time it i think 22 minutes after the call uh first responders arrive at the scene oh my god but the fire at this point is too strong it takes several hours until they can get into the house um, the house was fully turned to ash, like completely annihilated. Chuck rushes over the grandpa and tells one of the firefighters, I'm the grandfather. And the man says, hold on a minute and goes to talk to someone. He returns moments later and says, they're gone. So Charlie and Braden had both um, died of smoke inhalation, but they had hatchet marks on their skulls. So what had happened is Josh had knocked both boys unconscious with an axe to the back of their heads, then spread gasoline all through the house and over them. And then he sat on a five-gallon can of gasoline and lit the gas. And the house exploded, and the boys were found holding hands. God. Um, 20 minutes before setting the fire, Josh left a voicemail for his family, for one of his sisters. The voicemail said, hey, this is Josh, and I'm calling to say goodbye. I am not able to live without my sons, and I'm not able to go on anymore. I'm sorry to everyone I've heard. Goodbye. So police turn to the only one they can think of who's left is Josh's brother, Michael, the one who had dropped the car off at the salvage yard. Right. Um, but before they can interview him, on February 11th, 2013, Michael Powell jumped off a seven-story parking garage to his death. Wow. So within a year of finish finishing his prison sentence, Steve Powell died of a heart attack. So all three of them took any answers they had to their graves. Wow. When police examined Steve's journals after his death, they discovered an entry dated one day after Susan's disappearance that read, I feel like Josh did a truly stupid thing and probably disposed of her body in a truly grotesque way. I think he probably went to some former industrial land just west of West City Valley, no, sorry, West Valley City, and cremated her. Josh's life with Susan was utterly miserable. Evidently, this tragedy is my answer for why Josh hung on. He wanted to do it his way and avoid a messy, costly divorce. Okay, his way is better, I'm sure. Right. Susan Powell, at this point, uh, is still missing, but is presumed dead by the West Valley City Police. Her cause of death is obviously unknown, but many theorize Josh killed her and had been planning to for a while. I think we can all understand why people presume that. Uh, police consider the case open, and they continue to follow any promising leads. In 2010, Susan's family and friends created the Susan Cox Powell Foundation. Who's I'm, I'm amazed they kept the Powell in there. I would have been like, no, right. fuck that. Uh, the Susan Cox Powell Foundation, whose mission is to assist families of missing persons and to support domestic violence prevention efforts with a special emphasis on recognizing the early signs of abuse. Because mm. there were so many times where it seemed like little things, but it it ended up in the big picture yep. being much more than it seemed. Uh, the actually interesting thing I learned from that cold podcast, too, since I've done this uh, the first time, is that the 911 dispatcher, David Lovrak, he was, like, reprimanded, obviously, for the way he handled the call right he was like extremely troubled by it as you can imagine right um and he now works as a speaker who trains 911 operators oh wow isn't that interesting yeah On, like the proper response um and that kind of thing and what signs to look for wow 
So uh, Susan's dad, Chuck, has not given up hope. He still hopes to find Susan's body. He doesn't believe she's alive, but he believes that someday they might find her. Uh, he believes that more information may lie in Josh's encrypted hard drives, which still have not been cracked by police. And it sounds like pretty basic, but like listening to how they've done it, they spent, I mean, ten, like because he encrypted them with these insane, like computers can't crack them. Like they had computers running and running, trying every wow. combination and they can't, they can't cr- uh, crack the code. So they tried. Um, they haven't been able to do it yet. He's actually lobbied major tech companies in an effort to help investigators gain access to the drives, and that's something that I think they're still working on. At least they were when I did this um, wow. in September. So I, I also think the fact that he went to such lengths to encrypt all of these hard drives, right? There, I'm, I imagine and it's got to be something pretty awful if you really want it to be just so secret, so secret. And he actually saved everything. He saved every single receipt, every single piece of paper, like everything was scanned and saved, and he had hundreds of hard drives like he saved every little scrap of their lives so hopefully at least in that way there's something that they can maybe trace um so if you i just want to add if you or anyone you know is experiencing domestic abuse of any kind even if you're not totally sure um in the u.s you can contact the national domestic violence hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or visit the hotline.org where they have an anonymous chat available 24 7 365 Mm. And that is the terribly tragic tale of the disappearance of Susan Powell. And then people applauded. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> they were like, um, I don't think we want to applause. Well. And our manager was like, wow, what have I gotten myself into? Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, that was one of his, the, that was the first night that he ever came to one of our shows and was like, oh, I thought I signed up for a comedy Pretty show. Pretty sure that was the second time he ever met us and we were like, welcome. <laughs> Hello. Well, that was like the second time we ever met him. I, I think, think it was. Wow. Anyway. Well, thanks for listening to that yeah sorry i know that was kind of long but no i'd been waiting to cover that for like years and then when salt lake came up i was like i'll do it there and then i wanted to wait longer to like retell it so you forgot i did <laughs> everything but the singing which has apparently been burned. how could someone forget that <laughs> that's been burned into your mind well i think we all need an emotional grilled cheese oh god that sounds good uh if any of that was pleasant for you please come get tickets to our live show um we are definitely not doing stories like this anymore (laughs) will i sing maybe we our format is very different um but if you would like to see us live i don't know why but please come please do it we will be there we would like you to be there um and then there, I've been telling Christine every single time we sign off, I'll say, and she I goes know, that. I was hoping you would say, say why. She says we, and I say drink. And you would think that'd be where we close off. But Christine's always got to have the final say. So I don't do it on purpose. For the last, if you listen to like the last like 30 episodes, I'll be like, and that's why we drink. And then Christine goes, woo. <laughs> I just so, feel like it needs a punctuation, like an so, exclamation point. So we're going to do it in reverse this time. And I'll probably also... I, I'm just like, I feel like an asshole because I'm like, I need the final word, I guess. But it's just, I feel it's like I'm It's not a control. It's that, like, how do, like, <clears throat> Christine, like Christine also has to, like, lean over and turn off the recording. And there's that weird second in the middle. So I think it's your, your filler I'm filling for that the because I'm too anxious to just, like, let us sit in silence for that, like, four seconds. Yeah. Okay. I'll say drink. Okay, okay, and okay. as I say drink, you, you turn it off. Sure. And? That's why we drink. Wait. <laughs> you, yeah, and? you go. Yeah. Do it again. And that's why we drink. <laughs> it still took too long. I, I-
I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes.